Welcome to the Weekly Trend, a podcast for navigating the markets through the lens of technical analysis. The Weekly Trend podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute any professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the information or content without first seeking advice from a registered financial planner. back to the Weekly Trend Podcast. Today is Friday, April 21st, 2023. S&P 500 currently sitting at 41.29. I'm David Zarley. I'm here with Ian, Chip, and Putt McMillan. But before we get started, this podcast is sponsored by the Adaptive Select ETF listed on the NYSE under ticker ADPV. Adaptive Select helps investors access two of the most prevalent factors in markets, momentum and relative strength. Through proprietary identification methods, the Adaptive Select ETF attempts to own the strongest 25 large cap stocks when the market is in an uptrend. And since not all market environments are the same, Adaptive Select seeks to prevent extended declines by moving to short-term treasury bills and cash during long-term market downtrends. Investors can find out more, including how to invest in ADPV by visiting adpvetf.com or calling one 833-753-3825. As always, investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal distributed by Quasar Distributors, LLC. Ian, unbelievably, we're still below 4180. Unbelievably, maybe very believably, you're still there. Everything is just how we left it. Right. We even took a week off thinking maybe there would be more information this week than last week, but not so much. 4180 being the important level that goes back all the way to May and June of 2022. It's an area where sellers have shown up in the past. At the same time, it would make sense if there was consolidation here at this level. That would also be healthy if we could digest supply in something like the S&P 500 and move higher from here. At the same time, this is an area of polarity where we've seen sellers show up, and it's actually across a lot of things. It's not just S&P 500 when we look at it. You know, if you look at something like the NASDAQ 100, the Qs, mm-hmm. up against what had been its VWAP or still is its volume-weighted average yeah, two and price. Two and a half percent range. Yeah. Three weeks now, a little over three weeks, actually, if you go back to Thursday the 30th. And XLK, the Spider Select Sector ETF for technology, up against August highs that were last year. So that would be an area where you couldn't see polarity and some selling, and that's kind of what it looks another, like. Another range, three-week range. You know, you look at something like the Global 100, representing 100 large-cap stocks, both domestic and international, right up against or just above and that's a good sign important levels that go back area of polarity all the way back to the beginning of or even into 2021 really and so there's a lot of important horizontal levels bitcoin btc usd up against that 30,000 reacted to that level also VWAPs from the highs yeah also value weighted average price from the highs treasuries which we covered in the lunch and learn presentation for clients I know you covered that for them. That 108 level continues to be resistance on something like TLT. 
So there's plenty of horizontal levels that we're up against. And so sometimes we sit here and say, what information are we going to provide? And so there's, there's still some quality information that you guys will find that we can go through. We can talk about breath. We can talk about banks. We can talk breath pretty weak. Yeah. Participation of stocks. What measurements are you using in that regard when you think about breath being weak? New highs versus new lows. New highs versus new lows. So a divergence pretty, there. Pretty lame compared to the last time we were at 41.80. Okay. So February of this year, breath was better. Way better. Which makes sense. I mean, January was a breath thrust month. Mm-hmm. And then we quickly reversed that in February, March. And that was led by banks. And I think our notes here say banks are still terrible. Banks have a good day, and they spend two days giving it all back. And then they have a good day, and then they give it back. Yeah, banks. You know, there's been days where they get off to a good start, but... Well, there's some... I know Dan... Now it's earnings season. Yeah, I was just going to say there's some bifurcation there, too, between regional banks and big banks. Like JP Morgan had a good response this week. And we always talk about earnings. It's not necessarily about the earnings, but about the response to the earnings. And JP Morgan moved up on earnings, but yet something like KRE, yeah. measuring regional bank stocks, still anemic, still hanging. You know, we've talked about in the past XLF, which is the ETF for financials, needing to hold 30. Continues to do that. Yes. Now, it's not like it's all clear and everybody should get invested in financials, but at least they've stopped going down. It's probably an okay thing. They do look a lot better than banks. Yeah. So a little bit of, you know, the market probably trying to sort out, look out, thrown out. So really, I mean, it was, you know, it was just regional banks at first and then they kind of turned to anything smaller mid-cap financials was getting tossed insurance brokerages so since then yeah you've seen insurance act with kie much better recovery it's back up above its 200 day looks a lot better than regional banks which they're hands off right now yeah i mean we've spent six weeks now down here for sure. Five weeks since the sell-off. It was a pretty decent sell-off. It was the fastest in the decade for yeah. an area like banks or financials. So that's a good point. And going back to breath, I know we do some internal measurements here. And we continue to see an increase in absolute and relative new lows. It's a pretty broad. It's not just looking at the S&P 500. And so there's a fair amount of bifurcation it's a separated market a lot of relative lows coming out of tech yeah a lot and tech had been the leader you know year to date and yeah i think it shows you how lame it is outside i mean i'm trying not trying to be like that guy but outside the largest five or seven names yeah you're talking apple microsoft yeah amazon's having a positive response today but tech is cooled off in the last two weeks on a relative basis 
Yeah, Amazon finally above 105. Good for them. It is interesting that you have a move towards mega or large. And it'll help discretionary out, I guess. Right. Help the NASDAQ out. Exactly. But the Russell is still, I'm not trying to be rude, but it's a pathetic looking chart. Russell's going to be ticked that you said that about him. Well, he needs to look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Below its 200 day. Below all its important yeah, value weighted average I mean, price levels. And I know I get it. Thanks. Biotech's fin. You know, the IWM or small caps are below all important low volume weighted average price from the low, below its 200 day. It's near the bottom of the range. Whereas all these other things we talked about being the, near the top of the range. So that one or two things happen either small caps turn up and we get a broadening out of participation, or maybe small caps are the canary in the coal mine for the next. Damn. Yeah, microcaps also pretty lame. I'll remind our listeners that small caps had that false breakout in Q4 2021, and that was the canary before the S&P peaked in January of yeah. 2022. And so if we're going to see small caps, that. yeah, if you're going to see small caps break 1650, November or 165 on IWM that could be marking that that's some type of peak in equities overall out of this current range that's been going on since May of last year. And speaking of ranges during that lunch and learn, we talked about that 19% range in the S and P that's gone on for 10 to 11 months, which is the largest range, the deepest and one of the longest. When we look back at markets going back to 1929, and when we look at small caps, I mean, small caps are basically something like 880 days into its uh, correction that basically started since February of 2021. Yeah, I forgot about that. So we're two years into a correction for a lot of stocks. And you got to be open to two different scenarios under that. Either we're starting to base out and we're going to see a broadening in participation and stocks move higher overall. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely some split. It's good arguments for both both mm -hmm. teams right now. For sure. I totally agree with that. Good arguments for both sides. From a technical analysis perspective, I can't really speak on macro soapboxes. Do you have one of those? Or do you just keep that in the laundry? I have thought about it. It just stays in my Amazon cart. I just yeah. can't bring myself to... Purchase one. I just keep on the rare occasion I need one. I just go borrow my neighbors. I just keep mine in the laundry room. There you go. And then I use that soap to wash my clothes. It seems like a more valuable use of time than being standing on the macro soap box, which it's a large box because it's macro. That's true. It is a pain in the butt unless you get like a transportable one that yeah. like folds up. Well, a micro box. Your micro yeah. fundamental box. Yeah. yeah. We should look into them for our second podcast sponsor. Today's episode brought to you by Microbox. Take your macro soapbox feelings on the road with you. I love Easily that. <laughs> transportable 
Fold it up. Share your fundamental opinions with everyone. Yeah. With the micro box. You can take it everywhere. That's great. A couple different topics I want to touch on for our listeners. Gold. Okay. Is that one of them? Look, yeah, let's do it. You started it. Yeah, I feel like it's given all the hype we had into all time highs with a bearish divergence. Well, and you I'm not saying this is what I expected, but well, the 2000 level, the 2000 is big. It was hard to buy at 2000. Well, just into an area that sellers had shown up in the past. Yeah. When you always ask the question, is this where we want to be taking on risk? That should always be in your arsenal. That question to yourself, is this where we take on risk for gold into the 2000 level? That didn't make sense. It runs so hard. And I'm not saying correct. It used a lot of energy to get there. And I'm not saying that it has to correct all the way back to the bottom of the range at 1700. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of things that are range bound. And currently gold is reacting to its range that goes back to 2020, which is an important range that actually wraps around the previous highs all the way back in 2011. So it's an important metal. It's dollar denominated. Well, it doesn't have to be dollar denominated, but in the case of this conversation, here we have the dollar hanging out at that important 101 level. And you had a great chart during the presentation just highlighting that 101 level for something like DXY, mm -hmm. the trade weighted dollar in comparison. And I believe it was to something like the S&P 500 and the 4180 level. It's a good chart. Yeah, that's supposed to be the thing, right? Dollar weakness is good for stocks. We'll see. Dollar really hasn't gone anywhere for a month either, though, to be honest. Right. Between 101 and 102 and a half. I mean, it's in a 2%, a little over 2% range. So... And at an important level that goes back years. And just like 4180 goes back over a year or something like S&P 500, important level. And to Ian's point, if the dollar moves higher from here, many with micro soapbox would be saying, oh, that means weakness for stocks. doesn't have to be. You could see the dollar move higher from here and small caps move higher and things yeah. broaden out. It's definitely possible. Regarding the lunch and learn, did you have a favorite chart from that? Or did you have a favorite topic that we covered for our clients? And for those who don't know, that's something we do on a monthly basis. It covers different topics at client first here. But every quarter, it's adaptive team's turn. And we cover markets and different insights over the lunch hour and then in the evening, maybe over an old fashioned. But did you have something favorite from the presentation that either you covered or the guys covered? That you thought was worthwhile highlighting for um, anything that stood out? No, I think it was really just you know visually showing clients that not just saying stocks haven't done anything like right. Look, I mean, look at the chart. Yeah, and I think really I would say this is one of the most trendless environments since 2015, 2016. So, you know, kind of 
yeah, range-bound markets are hard for trend-following processes and systems. And that's what we've had for the last mm-hmm. 12 months. And there's moments that the market's in uptrend, moments that the market's in a downtrend. We just so happen to be in a trendless environment. That's length, like you said, is very much similar to 2015, 2016 in some regards. I think for me, interesting just covering Kevin, some of Kevin's material regarding bear markets. Mm-hmm. You know, one one twenty percent correction can be expected at about four, four and a half years. You know, he discussed the three different corrections we've seen in the last five. You know, on here we've talked in the past about the importance of January 2018 and how things it seemed to have an impact or a ripple effect on market conditions since then. Not that that has to continue. And then covering the trifecta, the seasonal trifecta, yeah. the Santa Claus rally, first five days of January, and then the January is a month overall. We hit those things 93% of the time when we do those since 1950, the market finishes higher. Now there's been two years, almost three years where the market didn't do that, 1966 and 2018 were the two main years where we didn't finish higher when we had those three things. And it's interesting that 2018, January 2018, we were just talking about that. That's one of the years. And then 1966 was another year where we were talking about Fed involvement with credit markets and money market environments and inflation. So some semblances to this year. So that was 66? 1966, down 13% on the year. Also had a minus 20% bear market correction definition during that year. Okay. But just interesting. But also keeping in mind that the 93% probability or outcome in the past being open-minded that above 4180, that's possible, but also being open-minded that is this the 7% that has some similar narratives going on and is connected to 2018, 1966 and 2018. Interesting years. Yep. Vietnam war was going on. Inflation was the talk. One of the first times the fed had to get it. Ooh, macrocephal soapbox. Fed had to get involved with some of the money market institutions that kind of is somewhat related to the reverse repo overnight programs that the Fed is running now, which are having a direct impact on money markets. So it's interesting, you know, and being open to pre-presidential election years. Next year's, I think you brought up how excited you are for political advertising going on. In the next I hope that they advertise on our podcast. Yeah. Oh. That would be something. I don't know. Would we accept that? Would we do that? Maybe. Yeah, if I agreed with the candidate and do anything, (laughs) I'll share that story (laughs) off the podcast. But That's funny. But it's a pre-presidential election year. Tends to have positive seasonality. So you have to be open to further upside. But markets do what markets want to do. We don't get to control them. Right now, it's trendless. Still below 4180 on something like S&P. Plenty of instruments you can look across. I thought you did a good job highlighting Europe as Yeah, Europe lots of potential left there should this turn into something. Can you kind of paint the picture of the chart you shared with our clients? Well, just showing that, you know, it's underperformed, basically done twenty percent of what the S&P's done over the last twelve years. So a twelve so, year relative downtrend. So given we were to ever go back to those highs relative highs i'm saying it has to happen take years just like it did 
you know, for the NASDAQ to get through its dot-com relative highs. But should European foreign stocks ever want to go back to those levels, there would be a lot of alpha left on the table. Yeah. If Europe is going to outperform, which it has since uh, beginning of the year, yeah, Got timing right on that. If it's going to continue, there's plenty of time to participate in that. We've dipped our toes into that position-wise, but bigger allocation is, could be appropriate mm -hmm. if a larger trend continues. And what's interesting to me, I think Dan highlighted this, is just, I'm using this term again, bifurcation, really how much difference there is internationally between what's performing and what's not. And dollar weakness, the area you would think that would benefit the most would be emerging markets. And what we're seeing is actually developed markets do better, specifically Europe, which is an interesting, that's not necessarily your textbook setup. When I look at the main message out of Lunch and Learn, it was not what has happened but also what's the game plan going forward and it still remains the same above a 200 day moving average at step one we can have some exposure mm -hmm. above 4180 we can increase exposure and have a tailwind to grow accounts but really until we clear there caution is warranted and then when you think about important previous lows and making sure we stay above them, that's important too. Yeah, we got to stay above these March lows. You don't want to go back to 3,800. Right. Definitely don't want to go below there. And really, I mean, once you get through 4,180, there's still so much price history to the left that even that's going to be wonky to navigate. I assume it will be. At the August highs of 4,300. Time will tell. March 2022 highs of 4,600. All time highs, 4,800. Yeah. The only way you get to 4,800 is you got to get through 4,180 and 4,200. Anything else you want to highlight? Anything you want to cover for ADPV, Adaptive Select, as far as maybe how it's tilted or positioned? It continues to be exposed to stocks mm -hmm. the largest 25 stocks based on momentum tends to be towards semiconductors yeah i think the tech is the largest sector in there right now and semiconductors overall when we look at them they've cooled off since the you know middle of march and that's not necessarily a bad thing based on the run they had on a relative basis for a while. And when we look at something like SMH, that still remains above important horizontal levels, like 245. If you can imagine a horizontal level that the S&P 500 is up against in lots of different areas, what's interesting is that semiconductors did clear that first, that particular horizontal area. Same with XLK. And so it's really important for SMH and XLK to hold those horizontal boundaries, potential barriers, because if they were to break back below, that would be 
non-confirmation of potential new uptrend upon us. So we have the CMT symposium coming up next yes. week. Yes. That should be That'll pretty be good. Industry event for chartered market technicians. It's in New York. I know our group is flying in on Wednesday. We're looking forward to catching base with it. Other advisors that use technical analysis and using that time to learn as well as share information and mingle with other advisors, but should be a good time. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap this nope. one up? All good? I am. All right. Well, thank you for coming out here this week and have safe travels back to Charlotte. I hope you appreciated the weather that we had for you this week. Always. Always. Always appreciate cold, damp. Easy now. I know. I know. Easy. It's it not actually, all only Monday was bad. Yeah. Monday was brutal. Yeah. And I'm from Wisconsin. So that, I get it. So to everyone listening, we really appreciate it. Ian, thanks for hopping on here with me. Yeah. I know it's been a busy week between the lunch and learn and different meetings and and those type of things. So thanks for hammering this out with me. We hope everybody listening appreciates it. Uh, lots of good information. If you were someone at the Lunch and Learn or you wanted to be there and couldn't, we will have that video out, recorded, and put on YouTube here in the coming few weeks. And it was great to have Dan out here as well. Dan made it. And obviously we love Kevin, Pratty, David Yoakum, the newbie. So it's good to have you guys here. Otherwise, everyone listening, if you could, share it with your friends. Give us a great ranking. That helps us out, especially when we're putting this out here for free. Take care. Have a great weekend, everyone.